Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today is Carlos Carvajal. Carvajal is a San Francisco-based dancer and choreographer active for more than seven decades in the field of classical and international dance. During his career, he danced with many prestigious dance companies, including the International Ballet of Marquis de Cuevas in Paris, Opera of Bremen, Ballet National de Venezuela, Theatre Municipal of Bordeaux in France, and the San Francisco Ballet. Carvajal also created many dance works as a choreographer for Opera of Bremen, San Francisco Dance Spectrum, Dance Theater of Harlem, Oakland Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, and the San Francisco Opera, to list a few. Based on the recognition of his dedication to dance, he has received numerous honors and awards, including, but not limited to, first prize at the Young Choreographers Competition in Munich, Germany in 1962, the Isadora Duncan Choreographers Award in 1986, as well as the Bay Area Critics Circuit Award in 1989. Carvajal most recently completed 12 seasons as co-artistic director of the San Francisco Ethnic Dance Festival and continues to be active as a teacher of ballet to this day. Carlos, it is such a pleasure to have you join us and also to be our very first guest on Museum of Dance podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Hillary. Your career is quite impressive. I would love to start with the beginning of where you discovered dance in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, when, when sure. You, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm the first generation uh, San Franciscan. Uh, my dad came from the Philippines and my mom from Sweden, but my father is part of a line of, of theatrical people in the Philippines. My grandmother and grandfather were both stars of the Spanish Sarsuela, and one of my aunts was a very famous dancer. This is back in the 1920s and early 1930s. My aunt was a famous dancer, and my dad himself was a stage magician, but a wonderful singer, and he was a musician himself. So as a child, I... I I grew up with music and art and fantasy, plus the, uh, plus music all around me. And as a, uh, I was very very astute at music, and I was in, I became a, a musician early on in life. I studied piano first, and then I went into the the cello. But but one day when I went to a folk dance class, my first year in high school, I went to a folk dance class at my old junior high school, Roosevelt Junior High offered by the park and rec department, by the way, I started to learn international folk dancing. And the dance, it, it, it was so natural for me to, to add movement to sound that I immediately began helping my other classmates learn the dances. And uh, later, and, and, and as I got in high school, I became, I, for, I, I helped found our, our, our school, our school um, folk dance group you know and i was exhibiting folk dances as well as uh, I, I i even directed my first uh, pr- production of of dance uh, when i was a junior by setting up a you know a stage a square dance for my classmates you know and uh, inventing all the calls and stuff like that so it, it, it all happened quite early but as a folk dancer i um i became uh, i excelled at it and uh, I became known in California, actually, in that fo- in the folk dance movement, as a principal, let's say, figure in folk dance, because in San Francisco, I became the partner of the uh, principal uh, dancer, um, uh, uh, Madeline Green was her name, and she had the most important folk dance 
company in, in the area. They would do stage productions in which we would do different scenes from different country, different folklore, uh, as well as I directed my own youth folk company, you know, my own youth company. And so we were uh, performing out at the Stern Grove one day. Uh, the, I was with Madeline Green. At the same time, I was playing in the youth symphony, the junior symphony. I was principal cellist, first day on cello with the junior symphony as a teenager. And so I went backstage, changed into costume. It was at Stern Grove and came out on the, on the lawn, on the front lawn, dancing with the Madeline Green group as the orchestra behind me played. So the director of the orchestra's wife, uh, her, her, her dad, questioned me and asked me, if I, had I not been studying ballet? I guess I had a natural grace for these people, which put the bug in my head. <laughs> and I decided I would take a peek at the ballet class down at San Francisco Ballet. And I wasn't even 18 years old at the time. I was still in high school. And I looked, and I looked at the class and I thought, gee, I think I could do that. And uh, by my very nature, I said, and I bet I could do it better. <laughs> Here you go. Very you know? brave, yes. Uh, there I am, you know, my dad. And so I, I, I um, so, when I, so when I graduated from high school, I enrolled in my first ballet class. And I had just turned 18. I, I was so astute because I had learned all the basic dance movements in my folklore, you know, and folk dance, folklore um, gave rise to classical ballet. That's the source of ballet was folk, folklore. And so, so folk dance, you know, so I had all the basic moves. So within a while, I was able to, 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 to class, you know, make them more classic. And by one year, I, had, I was a member of the San Francisco Opera. Look at this. I got my first contract after one year of studying ballet. <laughs> wow. Carlos, but, uh, but, it, but, it was, but it was perfect because the opera was all, you know, you, you had a dances from Italy, from you name it, you know, it was always folkloric style. So I had no problem in that, you know, and, uh, and, and thereby I became, uh, uh, and I was also choreographed, starting to choreograph classical ballet with my classmates at the San Francisco Ballet. We were, you, you know, I was trying out my, because as a musician, it's normal. Also, I had studied composition and harmony uh, uh, seriously. So I, I was, you know, so that was my, my urge was to be a composer. Yes. How simple it was to just go from the musical into the dance because it was the same, you know, for me, it was the same thing. Yes. So as a, as, a, as a choreographer, I started out very, very young. And as a director, I started out in my teens already. So, so but... My dad wanted me to be a medical doctor. <laughs> he himself, having been, he himself having been a stage man, you know, sure, sure. He, he he did magic on stage and he hypnotized people. As well. my my father was an amazing person to grow up with. So with all that influence, and I'm going to be a a a a, a you know a doctor. Well, I did my best. <laughs> I did my. I went through my science thing, and I had a science major. You know, meanwhile, I'm a musician and a dancer, who knows? And, and I got into, I did my first, uh, I went to, uh, I started City College uh, in, in, in pre-med, you know? And then by the time I got to my third semester, I had already been dancing professionally with the opera and the ballet, you know? Wow. And I'm, I'm struggling with my, my final exams in chemistry and you name it. And I looked at it and I said, no, I put it all down. I said, I am a dancer. 
that's I said I am a dan I I I affirm the fact that I am a dancer, <laughs> and I threw, I put my I dropped out of school. <laughs> I went out to North Beach. I stayed up all night and <laughs> celebrated whatever it was. You know, whatever. I came home and but I that was my big transition and my understanding that I am a dancer. You know, and then within a, a few months I had time. To spare, so I re-enrolled in college, and I re-enrolled in a program of the other creative arts at San Francisco State. That's just where I did my most some of my most significant young work. I created my first ballets at San Francisco State College, and you know, and here I am only you know the very you know, and then I went on to my European uh, you know adventures finally. But early on, I was already a a choreographer and a dancer and and a director. Sure. I love thinking about this concept as you're describing of this calling, right? It's even as a child, you knew it was just something innate in you that you felt um, that was calling you to it and you listened. And it sounds like it's, it's brought you so much joy in your life to be able to listen to that inner calling and, and um, really follow it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a genetic line as well, you know, because my own, my own daughter, her name is Lena Hall, and she's making a huge career on Broadway. And she she won a Tony for doing Edwig and the Angry Engine. She's doing her. My my baby daughter has become a Broadway a Broadway a Tony winner. You know, that's so fantastic. I mean, we went you know, we went from Manila to Broadway in 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 my you know four generations. My granddad, myself, you know, I, my grandfather, my dad, my myself, and my daughter. <laughs> we went to Broadway <laughs> from Manila. Oh, really a lot of, a lot of, um, oh. brave souls in your family and a lot of courage to, to move forward like that at the time and yeah. take on, take on that, that challenge. Um, yeah. I love, I love thinking and imagining your life as a young, young man peeking in, in the dance class and imagining that you could do it and you could do it better. And right. <laughs> <laughs> And as, as your time evolved and as a young man, um, you then spent some time in Europe in Paris and Bremen and Bordeaux. And yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to hear more about what dance was like in Europe at that time. And if you could help, help sort of paint yeah. the picture for us of what your experience was like there. You see, when I left San Francisco, I was going to, I went to, I went to join the festival ballet, the London festival ballet, which is a group that I had, that I had admired, admired so, so strongly, you know, and, and so when I arrived in England, was to innocently and, and announced to the custom people, oh, I wanted to join a ballet company. They said, well, impossible. You may not join. You may not work here unless you get your permits, you know, which one had to do in a foreign country. So the director of the company, Mr. Alan Anton Dolan, bless him, bless him, took me to Europe with the company. You see, because I had all, I started to audition for them already when I, when, uh, when I met them. And they wanted me to be in the company, but I could not join. So they took me to Europe. And uh, it was in the winter, and of, of I think fifty five, fifty six, yeah. And uh, I, um, we went to Monaco, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I had just recently fallen completely in love with the red shoes and the entire thing that had been presented there. You know, I was completely involved in that in my ballet in my life, and I found myself where Red Shoes had been filmed. And I found myself in the exact same theater in which it had been done and in the same rehearsal halls. And I looked out on the, and I could see the, you know, and I said to myself, 
I'm in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm in, I'm in, and let me tell you, I, and I, I, but Mr. Dolan offered me the the contract in the company, but my consideration of coming back to England in the middle of the winter where it was dreary and cold and it was so regular and people were beautifully having tea every day, you know, whatever it was, I wanted to stay in France. It was the Riviera and it was like California. And it was, so I, I managed to audition for a company that was in the country, it was in the town of Nice. And the dancer, the, the director, Paul Goubet, uh, I, wa- I went to Nice from Monte Carlo. It's just, a, it's just a little short train ride to audition. And uh, the director, after he said, he liked me, and he said, oh, could you, and they were, I think they were playing the, the ba- ballet made to the second piano concerto, Rachmaninoff, which I knew by heart. <laughs> I knew just good. And I probably how to play it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I used to just know the sound. You know, I can know the sound, you know. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, he looked, he said, look at a person, someone was dancing there. And he said, oh, could you do that part? And I said, oh, sure. And he said, could you do it tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> wow. I said, yes. Yeah. And he took me in. And I was able to still thank Mr. Dolan with all my heart. And I stayed in France. I had my first French connection there. And from Nice, the company took me to Paris because Paris was, because that was their home base. They took me to Paris. I did not pay a thing. I was neither, neither when I went from, from France, I mean, from Germany, from England to, to Monaco, they took me with the company. I was given that. Same thing from Nice to Paris. I was given that by the director. What a gift. And in Paris, I was able to audition and join for the Marquis de Quebec's company. See, and then I made my career with that company. We traveled the world. We, we, we had our seasons in Paris and in, you know, and uh, we went to South American tours and we toured North Africa. And we had our great, you know, the great, the Marquis final offer was the great Sleeping Beauty that that we created uh, at the Théâtre de Champs-Élysées where Majinski and all of them performed. It was a glorious time, you know, and I was in the, one of the most important companies at the time. And we were like, we were the, and, and so we lived at the, basically the Théâtre de Champs-Élysées for at least a month or so, you know, I lived in Paris so intimately that I was, and, and that I, you know, so we, we, we had that wondrous exposure. And after that, it was, but, but the Marquis at that time, was on his deathbed and he did die in 61 and left the company and in control of his, uh, of his, of his nephew and so forth. And at which point I, I, I auditioned for a, a contract in Germany and received the contract of principal dancer and, and assistant uh, um, um, a ballet master in Bremen. So I went from, from a soloist in the Marquis de Crepe's company, which I had worked up to into the principal dancer in Bremen. And, and, and then in Bremen, I was able to, when I got to Germany, by the way, at that time, I can't. I felt that the German system was so perfect for me as a dancer performing the theater, because I had everything provided for. I I, I paid an extra an extra uh, little um, um, you know tax um, for my salary. A little bit went to my health care, uh, you know, as we do here, you know, a little bit of this and then for Social Security, you name it. Well, I felt that that. In Germany at that time, there was a, there was a, if you had been in a theater for five years, 
you became un you became unfireable. In other words, you became a permanent member. Mm -hmm. And I saw that. I said, I could make my entire life in the theater, transitioning from dancer to whatever else I was wanting to do in the theater for my whole life, taking care of my health, my everything. I said, this is a beautiful system for, for me as a dancer. You know, it felt secure. Sure. France wasn't the same. France was less less the same, but Germany definitely so, and it was a very very good system. Uh, but um, you know, but there was a certain, but the German mentality also became um, well. They had a new director who, who had a much more rigid mentality about things, and so I was encouraged. I, I went to um, I, I my I had a very um, wonderful teacher and and my my mentor in Paris her name was Lily Arlen she taught me a lot of dance and a lot of yoga and a lot of other principles and uh, she and she had uh, then recommended me uh, that she told me that I should you know anyway through her I was able to get to Bordeaux as principal dancer look at the dancer étoile that's the top of the dancer étoile is the top of the pile in France it's the top of the pyramid <laughs> and I achieved from San Francisco. This kid became danseur étoile for the principal theater in one of the principal theaters in Bordeaux, which is the, the, the you know the Théâtre National de Bordeaux, which is a national monument as well. You know, like yeah. so. I mean, what an honor yeah. of being principal male dancer. There were two of us, and also choreographer. I was I was the I was the other choreographer of the company. I became choreographer, my and it was like. I, we had to do, between the other choreographer and myself, we had to produce either an entire opera set of dances, that, that's three or four dances, or an operetta, which is a whole bunch of dances too, from, you know, either one week or the other, opera or, or musical comedy, and we would alternate. As a result, I was able to choreograph, I have been able to choreograph all of the principal operas, as a choreographer, I've done Aida, Carmen, you name it. I've done all of the principal operas. And plus, I was able to dance in them. What a wonderful, you know, opportunity and education that I had. Absolutely. And, and I, love, I love thinking of how free it was for you. And, and you felt supported at that time as a dancer. And yeah. also, also as, a, as, from, as you had mentioned before, coming from Manila and being on the uh, stage at that time, um, as, did you find that to, to ever be challenged in Europe, in Western Europe at the time, that you were from well, Manila? Or not, different not, not in the slightest, not in the slightest, no matter where I went. I'm, I'm a very, um, my, my, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm, I like to be called, my, I call myself a mutt because I am a multi- you know, I, I am multi-ethnic, basically, you know, yeah, yeah. My, the Filipino Spa, with Spanish, you know, the Filipino mestizo, which includes Spanish. And my mama's a Swede, you know. And so here I am born in San Francisco. I can only feel like I'm a San Franciscan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're uniquely Carlos, right? That's what really, that's it's really. so true, Hillary, you know. That's so wonderful. I teach my, I, I teach my students and I know that we are not equal and that we all strive to be our very personal best to do the best that we can in this body with this at this time you see i had several big um, um let me say um obstacles 
I had a severe ankle injury when I, before I left San Francisco Ballet that was never well treated. Mm -hmm. I did my entire professional career with a right, with a left ankle that had bone chips and torn ligaments in it. And in spite of it, I managed to get to the top of the, that darn pyramid with my poor ankle and everything else, you know, because it was very, very serious. Later in life, of course, I was able to have it operated and they took out the bone chip, but that was after my career as a dancer. But I, in spite of it, you see, I, I, I persevered as much as I possibly could, you know. What was, was, what was it, Carlos, that kept you persevering? Was it your, your how, did you, how did you maintain that perseverance? What, what helped you through that injury? Well, one thing, the joy of what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> For me, you know, I, doing choreography and dancing was absolutely the joy of living. I mean, that's, I never, I, I never had stress as a choreographer. Yes. Never. Every challenge was so much fun because I had a lot of material to, to, to support it. My, all of my, see, as a folk dancer, uh, one became basically an amateur anthropologist as well because we were not only researching the dance moves, but also the regions, the costuming, and the music, and you name it, you know, all of this stuff. So all of, I had all of this information in me. I was a Highland dancer, by the way. I competed in the Highland Games here in, in, in California. I'm not Scottish. <laughs> I'm not, and I used to have fun because I would compete in the McFarland kilt, Tech clan kilt, and my name was Carvajal. I said, gee, I should be competing as Muck Carvajal or something. <laughs> 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 and, and I appeared on the cover of our, of our, of our folk dance magazine. It's called Let's Dance. And there's Carlos doing the sword dance, you know, competing up, up at the games. You see, so that, that, but I'm not a Scotsman, but I got that info. You know, so if we do, you know, so if they're doing a ballet like La Silphide, I know the source of the dances. I can give you authentically based moves, you see, because I know them. And I keep telling all my students and everyone who I know, get the most information you possibly can. Be a sponge, eat it all up, because it'll come out of you in its way, in an original manner, you know. And as I've had, you know, what later. Great advice. Yeah. What great advice, I think, to young people. Oh, Hillary, when I came back from San, to San Francisco, before I left San Francisco, Mr. Christensen, because I was, I was injured, you see, and I was also doing a full 16-unit college program to get my, my, my BA in, in, in theater. But look at this. And dancing professionally. And so I was having a problem getting from place to place. Yes. I was usually a bit late because I would take the bus or the streetcar or even the cable car because we were alone uh, to, to get to, 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 to the studio, you know. And so I could not rely on myself driving myself or anything. And I was always having problems being on time, which was later in my life, I was never on time. I mean, I was never late, but at, in here I was able to be because I had so much happening. And at one point, Mr. Christensen got me in front of the entire company and he told me, he said, you don't have what it takes to be a dancer. Mm. He told me that in front of the whole company. Wow. And I apologized. And I said, please give me a chance, I promise. And so I heard that. And 
10 years later, Mr. Lou Christensen hired me Mm-hmm. to be his associate choreographer and assistant and ballet master. Wow. He hired me to be ballet master later. Look at this. Sure, so sure, sure. I didn't give up. You see, that was the challenge. And I wasn't out to prove it. Believe me, I did not want it with, it with the idea I was going to prove myself. I just did not believe what he told me. <laughs> Absolutely. And be, and because it's like you mentioned before, it was your joy of living. It was your sense of identity. It was who you were. So for someone right. to say that, that he told me something, he said something I didn't, I couldn't believe. So I just, you know, I mean, okay. I said, thank you for saying it. I mean, I didn't say that, but you know, but it, I could not believe it. So I never did. And I was able to continue and to do it in spite of all of that. You see, there are many who would stop right at that point, although they may have the talent and the desire and I, I, I tell them, nah, you see, no. So then, oh, so Hillary, I came back to San Francisco, you know, with that, with that responsibility, which included, and the opera started to hire me as well as, well, I was dancing at the time, you know, but not Caracas. But I was asked to go to Caracas, Venezuela, which I accepted because they had six months that they, they didn't need me. They were doing their winter season. I went to Caracas. Well, my dear, <laughs> in Caracas, not only, I mean, we had a small company. We had uh, a 10 to 12 dancers, and I taught class. and I would teach a class, and I'd take a class, and I would be dancing and choreographing. While I was in Caracas, I had to choreograph a, uh, a television series. And it, it was like a, like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, it was a television, the show of Aldemaro Romero. It was a musical with dance and so on and so forth. Every week I was responsible for two five-minute choreographies. Oh my goodness, every week? Every week. Two. That's a lot. And you can never find a recording, let's say, of a popular song or music that is longer than three to four, four let's say four minutes or three and a half minutes. Sure. So I was also doing my own music editing, finding the new pieces, deciding what to do in a week or two. Besides, you know, I was multitasking, choreographing not only for the TV, but also for our theater performances and so on and so forth. So I was like layer upon layer of choreographic work and, 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 and um, you know, I was multitasking and do, I had so much fun. <laughs> like I can't imagine it. I did 48 show. I 48 of those choreographies in six months. Yeah. And we did everything. We did Filipino. We did Mexican. We did we did Venezuelan. We did everything. You know, I, I did everything. Was we did Argentine? Lord, I knew Argentine dance. You know, which I paid attention to. I can do Argentine. You know, Malambo and all of that. You know, so <laughs> so like putting to putting on stage what you know. You know, it's like sure. was the fun of it. Anyway. And, and to con- and you continued to be Carlos the Sponge. I think you were you just remained Always. open to learning and engaging in different forms, and not. It's almost like you were the Joni Mitchell of dance. Thank you. It's important. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you arrived back in San Francisco, you you were in the middle of a historic summer of love. Um, Early when and, I came, out. and it was quite the period of time for the experimental arts, including dance. Can you, oh, can you tell us about what it was like to create dance in San Francisco in the yes, late 80s? I had been in Europe where I had been exposed to Maurice Bajar's work, and he had also been using music concrete by, by, by Pierre-Henri, etc. There were many things. I had heard 
Stockhausen's uh, electronic music when I was in Salzburg one time, you know, which is fabulous, you know, which I later incorporated into my own work. But when I came home, there was an amazing scene happening. San Francisco Ballet was doing his traditional thing, you know, basically. But when I was, but here in San Francisco, it was like the 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 arts were completely flourishing. We were, they were trying new ways of things, you know, using various means to, to create these, well, theatrical effects in particular, which was my interest, you see. And we were, we, we had, you know, and, and, and so I, I was, I was so fascinated with this. And I used to attend the, um, the, the, the rock, the dances, you know, at the Avalon and so on. My, 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 my ballet, um, subjects we became close i became very close to the ballet the 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 cap, the the the, the, uh, the the dancers because i was almost their age i was just a little bit a little older than they and i was their director so and choreographer but i became friends with the ballet dancers we both you know and then they would take me to, we would we would go to the different dances together and see you know see what was happening and they had this the psychedelic lighting and they had the projectors and they had, you name whatever it was, you know, all the different lighting effects. So I was, in, and as a, as my father's son, my father always wanted to get the, the, the painting away from the canvas and into, he would even paint over the frames so that it looked like the painting were coming into the room. My dad was all for three dimensional experiences and for, you know, so as a, so I started, so I was bringing that, those elements into my choreographies for the San Francisco Ballet. And I, I, one of my first numbers that I did involving the light show gurus or the light show um, groups of this era was called, uh, well, I did something, I did the first rock and roll ballet and I called it Forbidden Trip, Voyage Interdit. In French, I call it, I, I gave it a French name. Voyage <laughs> Interdit, in which I was the principal. And uh, I used I used um, a, a group of I, I, I recorded music by a group called the Fugs, <laughs> my rock and roll group. At the, for the when I first got the recordings, you know, and then I used music by um, I used concrete music and electronic music in the middle of it to, to when it when the scenes got weird and psychedelic, you know, and uh, and uh, I showed myself as the wanderer coming into the audience to from the audience winding my Ariadne's thread onto the stage and there the, as the as the curtain opened all the dancers were in a fro were frozen and as I unwound the, the thread from the dancers they all came to life mm. and then this rock and roll dance got started you know so I it was it was fun you know and and uh, and uh, I, I, I I and then at the very end uh, the, uh, the we used strobe lights and we did what we what we could you know sure. and we had the first rock and roll ballet Sure. And it was based on, it was also, an, uh, let me call it acid ballet, you know, like, a, yes. I think Joffrey did something called a star tape. But sure. this was about the, the person, this ex, anyway, it, it was it dealt more with that, that, that kind of experience. And um, we, and then later, we, um, I recreated it with, uh, with uh, live, rock, live rock and roll and so forth, and, and even better system, you know, better, better control. But, but we did our first opera house performance. I called it Chromatica. Mm. And it was using, it was, the, the idea was, it was theme and variations by, I think, William Malton, very, 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 very stiff state, you know, very beautiful classical. And I used the idea of color and texture for each of the movements. You see, so each movement was, 
it had this uh, movement texture, you know, sharp and so forth. It also had color projections and so forth to to um, to to um, support that as well, you know, the, the different color spectra. And yeah. that was the first one, you know. I was I did my I was doing my master's work at the same. Look at this! I I enrolled back at college, state college, at the same time to do my MA, my master's work. I'm going, good grief in creative art. I'm not only in the ballet, but I'm also going to college. Good grief. <laughs> I mean, come on. And full, <laughs> full circle, one, you know, a trip around yeah. the world, so to speak, yeah. and back to San Francisco. And so I, my, my master's thesis, I had researched my whole, I had been interested in the da- dance of death from the time I did one of my earlier ballets in San Francisco um, at State College. I did, I did a ballet to the Mask of the Red Death at State College. It was my original uh, composition there by a, a young uh, State College com- composer, Fred Juniman. And I did the I created the Mask of the Red Death ballet at college already. Here I was, you know, as a, as a 20 year old or later. So now I, create, I, I, I had that idea of looking for the Dance of Death because I could only find two references here in San Francisco. One was at State College which was a, a, a um, it's, it's the, a, the history, world history of the dance. It's the only one that was available. And another one I found at the library, and it was by Ambrose Bierce, I think, and it was called The Dance of Death, and it was called that because it was the waltz, and it was The Dance of Death because the partners stood face to face, and you name it, you know, and those desires would come up. So I only had that one source. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! So I had when my so that bug was in my brain. Sure. Everywhere I went to Europe, I was looking for these little these 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 incidents of the Totenkans. You know, I found them in Lübeck. I went to Lübeck. I, I I found them in Basel, different places. And I made my, I collected all my memorabilia about the Totenkans. So when I came home, I was ready to go on my thesis. Yes. And I submitted my thesis and so on and so forth. You know my. And, and they accepted my idea, and so when so I worked on, I worked on the on the let's say the uh, the the um, the written part, you know, my my outline and my so forth. But I I choreographed it for the San Francisco Ballet, <laughs> and we and we took it and was original electronic and concrete music by Warner Jepson's local choreographer Warner. I'm your local musician. I'm, uh, yeah, composer, Warner. He was, he also, you know, he was at Mills College with that group there at the time. So I gave him the idea because I had already gotten the germ of my idea by listening to different kinds of music and I was going to compose my own score, which I've done in the past by finding different recordings and putting them together. You see, I've done that. But I, I, I met Warner through college. I mean, someone mentioned and I gave him the idea, and we went with it. And we created the score for the Totentons together. And at that time, San Francisco Ballet says, well, what have you got for our program for this year? This year? You know, they were asking me. And I said, oh, I have this idea, the Totentons. So we did it. We produced it. And we did it on the stage of the Opera House in San Francisco Opera House. How exciting. Electronic music, concrete music at the Opera House in and you know, it was my master's thesis. Yeah. And I don't think there is any other one before that. I don't know if there anyone in the world is, exists that they had their thesis performed 
in such a venue. <laughs> not that I, not that I know of. No, see, I, I said my language. You see, I convinced my committee. I said, though I can do this, I said my language is dance. Yes, and so they accepted my outlines forever, and they accepted it. You see, so I, I received my MA, but my thesis was dance at the opera house. Now that's, I, I, I think that's a good achievement. Then, after that, we brought. Um, my my real um, swan song <laughs> was called at the, at the 1970 because we were getting a really interesting audience coming to the our productions because I lived in the Haight Ashbury yes. and I was very and I was and I was uh, you know and I was interested in the entire community I was a member of the community and the art commission was looking at us too very favorably so there was a lot of co- cooperation at that moment and uh, so I was one of the um, I was helping lead the, 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 the community, you know, one of the leaders in the community at the time. But the San Francisco Ballet did not want to do, to go, they did not really want to have that type of an audience at the time, which was, which was, which was completely flabbergasting. I couldn't understand it, but they didn't, you know. And uh, as a result, I was, I was actually obliged to leave. And when I left... I had a whole dance company and the my, my whole company was already formed musicians dancers and the press we were all we were we were we were born as a complete entity it was wondrous my it's check a, was at home i mean it was we were just ready to go <laughs> it's you were ready to go and it's amazing to think of the the quality of the work you were producing at the time and the creativity and the ingenuity and and also that this formal engine called San Francisco Ballet was not ready yet to accept sort of this. No, not that. They, they brought back Michael Smeon, who was, who was more less, less, less extreme than I. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, but you did transform, you did transform the stage um, there. And I think that it did have its influence, um, even though maybe not right away over time for the San Francisco Ballet. That. And, yes. the, and the dance community at large in San Francisco. Truly, um, truly, yeah, truly. And then at the same time, also, we were, we were also, uh, uh, and when we had our dance studio, uh, Dance Spectrum, we also were hosting all of the new arrivals to the city, you know, in the, in the cultural, you know, in the cultural sense way, you know, we, we, we had Chitrish Das as a guest, we had the, the different, we had Rosa Montoya there, we had different, when they would come, they would come to Dance Spectrum, and we would give them a performance or an evening, you know, many people came, you know, and that's how I felt that the uh, Ethnic Dance Festival was originating there too as well, you know. Oh, how interesting. So it was sort of the precursor to, to that. Totally, totally. So, so before we arrive at the Ethnic Dance Festival, because I'd really like to talk more about that with you, um, uh, because it's just amazing that you also have done that. <laughs> so many accomplishments in your life. But okay. I'd like to think about sort of how you think the dance scene now, because you're, you're still practicing dance in the San Francisco Bay Area and still yeah. practicing. Um, how do you see the dancing now as reflecting some of what you experienced in the summer of love era, if at all, um, do you, how, um, how have you seen it change or transform or remain the same in some respect? Uh, oh, oh, well, completely. No, nothing. No, not at all. That see that expression is, is, is not happening right now. You see mm-hmm. uh, the, the expression is more, I don't know. It doesn't, it's right now uh, it's in a moment of, let's say, holding its breath uh-huh. <laughs> see, uh, as, a, as in, in, as in my profession, you see, as a dance choreographer and teacher, 
what we do not have and which is seriously lacking is the experience of being in a group because we learn through imitation. We do not learn by reading a book and imitating it particularly. I did a lot of that as folk dance research, but you get it by watching and copying yeah. in depth, as we do in singing music and things too. And I don't have, see, and teaching in this present moment by Zoom means everyone is private. Every individual is being taught privately. They are not seeing each other. So I have, so when I have several students on that, you know, in the, in the, in the, I, I'm teaching individuals who are actually, in, in, to me, they're like, the ballet dancers are like caged birds or caged horses. You know, we, we need to run and jump and fly and we are not allowed to run and jump and fly. And we are also not allowed to run to, to become groups, which is what a choreographer like myself deals in primarily. Sure. There's grouping, choreographing, staging, how many here, how many there, you know, off balance, on balance. See, we, that's, we cannot do that right now. Yeah. That's very, very difficult. And uh, so for the moment, I, I know I'm, I'm knowing that it will be temporary, but, you know, that we will be able to, to assemble eventually, you know. And so the, the whole main thing is like, I feel like we're all holding our breath, you know, waiting for to be that release and then we can reassemble and, and revivify our art form. Because right now our art form is, is really held in only two individuals, you see. Sure, an individual can, can, can create. When I teach class, I have to create that move and then each one has to follow what I've just done. But, but they're at a different angle and at a different timing. So when I see the images coming across on the screen at me, you know, several different, Everyone is out of sync with each other and none of them is in sync with what I am saying and, and, and asking for rhythmically. Mm -hmm. So to me, it is extremely disturbing, which I've been working about, about getting away from, because being a ballet master too, mm -hmm. I look for the ones to correct everybody so they all be together. Yeah. And in this, in this sense, we can never be together. And that's one of the huge frustrations of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that's almost sort of a metaphor for our times, right? This really. broken, broken up and taking sides and kind yeah. of working on our own. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm looking out in the world, Hilary. You know, I, I did one of my favorite ballets that I did was called, or my company was called Facade. And I made fun of everything. It was, it was the William Walton Facade, but I modernized it, you know. I even had the gurus, at, at the, 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 the couple of gurus discussing things over at, you know, at Powell and Market. And I had a, a hoity-toity, you know, Pacific Heights fling. Up. I, I did it all, you know, in total, total jest, you know. And, uh, and I look around me today, I said, no, I'm seeing these different costuming now. Everybody wearing a mask, for instance. Now, that's a whole look. That's the look of our era. <laughs> Everybody wearing masks. I see another one, you know, where I walk around in the mission. I see these, 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 these fellows, these men, with their pants dropped, you know, down below their butt. I mean, I've seen this a lot, you know. They, purposely, you know, their underwear, their, their butts are showing, and then their pants are done under, you know, are, are, are belted to their thigh, you know. And I see, Wow, what a funny thing this would be if I put that on stage in facade, a bunch of clowns running around with their pants below, you know? That would Those be a hard that would be a hard costume to do a, a jeté, I think. 
<laughs> you know, but that kind of thing, Hillary, you know. We, we, the art, of course, the artist is in tune with his time. The artist does expression, is, you know, it does express his time, you know, as yeah. I was during the 60s too, you know. Yeah. That's what we were doing and that's what we were bringing out there. And, and now, you know, so, you know, we see these things and uh, it just is, it's just it's wondrous. Well, one day, maybe, who knows, <laughs> the chance will come. <laughs> I love, though, that you've brought us to thinking into, you know, this this time will pass, this too shall pass. and Sure. You know, change is the law. Yes. It is the law of the universe. Change is the law of the universe. Today, the sun did not raise, come up in the same place that it did yesterday. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm a day older and I have all these other things that happen in the life. You know, it is, it is an absolute law. And we're try- and the, and that's the problem is that people are not are trying to not are trying to hold it still you know keep it keep it fixed mm. yeah. yeah yeah we need to become the sponges and then squeeze the sponge out every so often right <laughs> our world. yeah 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 <laughs> so Carlos you have this tremendous. Um, tremendous background and it's just so amazing to listen to all all of the the just the color of your life and many of us know you as the man who founded the ethnic dance festival um, one of, yeah one of them. The, the, to my knowledge there's really nothing of its kind anywhere in the united states maybe the world um yes <laughs> that's what that's one thing that makes me unhappy right now because we because the ethnic dance festival I, I am sensing has been just taken for granted. It's there, you see. It has been successful. Mm-hmm. And so it's taken for granted. It will be continuing. However, there has not been one single syllable in the news in any sort mentioning that the festival did not happen this year, mm. nor anything of the sort. Not one single peep. And I'm very, um, I'm concerned that the board of directors is not really paying attention, but I've seen that. And you know, Hillary, as I say, my own experience, I know, I'm making it up, I know that we are the only one in the entire world of this quality and this diversity. There is no other festival in the world that is like ours where everyone can drive to the theater. They don't fly in from other countries. We are all resident here, and we are the top-notch groups. They are excellent in uh, the Filipino, the Indian, the different Indian groups, you name it. All of us are the best. Yet, yet, because, uh, like, I've been to Mexico, the Galagetza, you know, and that's the regional, all the regional things. In, in, in Madrid, they have the, they have the Fiesta de, de well, they they have their their yearly one where they bring all the provinces come down. They bring their they bring their products and their dances. But that's only one community. That's only one nation or only one thing. We are international, and it has never that, that does not exist anywhere else in the world. And one and one um, grand performance after another. I mean, I I sat in the audience. Yeah. For- first time several years ago and was absolutely floored and i i thought people had flown in from different countries but to then know looking at the program that all of these were bay area artists and they were all in the stage together representing people from all over the world and culture cultural dances from all over the world oh it's so important isn't it yes 
multicultural it's so important right now too when when things are being seen only in black and white if you know what i mean I like it's just your- either or you know mm-hmm. forget the nuance you know yeah Not, yeah but to celebrate diversity in that way and to share that joy of, of diversity and, and right. have such diverse people up on stage sharing their love for this unifying language, as you've called it, the language of dance. Um, Absolutely. So important. <laughs> Absolutely, Hillary. You see, they want to teach ethnics, you know, they want to, they want to oblige uh, young students not to, to have a semester of ethnic studies, you know. Yeah, okay. I'll teach them dance. (laughs) (laughs) Wordless, but yeah, wordless, but inclusive. You see, you don't say anything, you do it. You know, it's it's a whole different situation. Yeah. Exactly. And something that we all live in, right? That we, 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 we do reside in these vehicles called our bodies and we do have the ability to move them and to let them speak to one another. And yes, Hillary, that can be unifying. That can be. Yes. Hillary. Yes. We do reside in these vehicles, but (laughs) but yes, yes, we do. I know. Carlos, we are living in such uncertain times in the world. Um, As we're discussing the the place dance has and all of this and sort of um, talking about how it exists in these Zoom platforms for the time being. Yeah. Where do you think dance fits into everything? Where 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 can you see dance um, dances now, and maybe where it will will reside in our future states? You know, I don't know, Hillary, because things have become so uh, into the intellectual. You know, so non so so intellectualized. Everything is being minutely, you know, um, you know, explored, and 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 then dance we. What we, I, I feel what we've done right now is that, as I said, we have become, uh, we, we're, we're, we're coming in, in awaiting, awaiting the moment where we can continue and to flourish one more time. You know, at this time, no, because, um, I mean, you, 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 a, a, a dance profession at this moment is not, is not at all, at all uh, feasible. Yeah. You can't dance on stage, you know, you can't do so. At this moment, it is it is not any it is nothing. Uh, it doesn't have you know it it isn't right right now. It doesn't work for many people. I have students whom I wish would become professionals, but there's no, but not right now. You see, yeah. because of the of, of this problem with the virus and all this stuff, you know. But um, so as I feel that we are right now. I don't know, you know. It's just maybe the uh, revival of folk dance and stuff, so people can get out there and just start dancing together. Because the, uh, it's it's very very um, at mo- at this moment, it's it's very quiet. You know, it's as I said, we're in neutral right now. Yes. I the 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 people the the mo- one of the most admirable groups I find in San Francisco is the ODC company mm-hmm. with the three women, Brenda and the, the, the three women. Sure. They came to San Francisco during the six, 70s mm-hmm. and started their company. And we also would bring them onto programs too. And they had the acumen to buy their property. And not only that, they also bought another place down the, the, the way from them, which they converted into a school, which is theirs. They do not have to be responsible to any other landlord, let's say. 
and these women have created a center for dance very similar but 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 in but in but in miniature to the one that they have done in monaco because i've been there in monaco by the way when i dance and go to heaven i mean when i die and go to heaven it's going to be in monaco at the dance institute in monaco okay <laughs> we'll go visit you there <laughs> that's heaven the monaco situation is grace thank you grace grace kelly Oh, they wow. have the best ballet situation for dancers. I mean, they could it couldn't be more heavenly. <laughs> and and to know that maybe dancers don't need to be dancing in derelict spaces anymore. That it's okay to treat ourselves right accordingly. <laughs> truly, truly, Hillary. You see, yeah, yeah. I so I, I am, but but otherwise, it was difficult. If you did not buy in. I know that people like Margie Jenskin never did. Uh, and, but she's been, perform- you know, she's kept her group going. Uh, but she, I think she probably runs space at, at the ODC studios as well, you know. Another group that was on 24th and Mission on the, up, up there, the Dance Mission group, they apparently are going to move to another situation about uh, 17th or 18th and Mission Street itself. But everything is in hold. There's been no more development there, you know, so that's all in hold too. Yeah, so the the the, the big, the, 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 the very... Well, so that's, yeah, it's just going to happen, but we're holding our breath yet. We, sure we are holding our breath, and there's been a, yeah. a lot of talk of the idea of breathing recently, right? And just yeah. being allowed to breathe and allowed to move and dance and share and yes, establish yes. this language together. So what a, what a um, testament to perseverance your life has been and an inspiration to our listeners, I think. Um, definitely oh, an inspiration you. to me. So <laughs> Thanks, Hillary. Yeah. And uh, I have my grandchildren here, which is, I can't tell you what a joy that is. They came from the East Coast. Now they, they come back home with my daughters. And to see a little two-year-old boy coming in and progressing day-to-day and my little five-year-old girl, a granddaughter, I mean, so in the middle of all of this, you know, bad thing, I have, I have a, a, a wonderful gift has happened as well. You have. So in the middle of all, yeah. And, uh, yeah. What a treat. <laughs> and, and so are you teaching them some steps? Some they're steps? watching. I know how that is. No, they just have to watch, you know. They'll learn in, in due time. Their, mom, their mother was a top, top-notch belly dancer, by the way. My daughter, my first daughter, Callie became a number one belly dancer here. You might've even seen her perform at the festival of Calliope. You yeah. see, like that, she, she, she achieved Miss America, the belly dance, all that stuff. So my, my first daughter, who was an intuitive musician dancer, became a top-notch belly dancer, you know. My baby daughter, who was the competitor, she went all the way to Broadway and did, and she's continuing on this career, you know, on her. So, I mean, yes, I have, I have nothing to complain about, except I got a sore knee or stuff, you know, in my, my joints hurt. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I deal with that. Carlos, just to finish up today, um, we are out of time, unfortunately. I'd love to just, if you have any word of advice for young people right now, you've definitely said a few things throughout our call, but um, yes. those who are listening who are young, who might feel a little discouraged or a lot discouraged by the state yeah. of times with climate change and the yeah. pandemic and so on and so forth. Um, obviously the social upheavals, um, yes. possibly for, you know, progress, but at the time. I agree. See, just, I mentioned about dance not being a career right now. You would not, I, I've, you know, many students have been dropping off because they, they, they can't see continuing. My advice is, okay, 
my house god is named Ganesha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ganesha says, be perseverant. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Slow but sure, but don't give up. If you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you really believe, if you are this person, if you believe it, do go for that because you, it will happen. You, know, you will achieve it. And, and you're the right one to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing that. And, and thank you again so much for taking the time with, with, to be with the Museum of Dance today and to share your life stories, Carlos. It's, it's so wonderful to, to speak with you. And um, we, we look forward to following the next chapter of your career. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Hillary. My pleasure, truly. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.